I mean, if, if you want to start, we could start. Yeah. Um, what if I told you we already started? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. What, what, if, what if I told you we so started? You oh, should I? Yeah, just so you can hear yourself. <laughs> Welcome to Suggested Donation. I'm Edward Minoff. And I'm Tony Sir and I. And we're here today with Stephen Assel. One uh, of the leading representatives. Represent- ah. <laughs> how's that for a lead in, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> well, now we know Jay. how this thing's going to go. <laughs> and Jay Braun. Jay Braun. Jay Braun. Jay's. So, Steve, uh, one of the reasons why we started this podcast is to really start talking to these artists that we admire. Um, and, and not just artists, but, but people who really want to take their craft to a um, a very high level. Uh, one of the figures that I thought about when we first started th- uh, doing this was we need to get Steve Asella. Me too. This. I thought the same thing. And the reason why is it's, you know, you're, you're kind of unique in, in how did you start what you were doing? Especially at the time, I'm, I'm assuming that it was harder to get a, a proper art education when you were kind of coming up. I, I'm not sure. Well, so That's like what I've heard. Tony and I started at, I think the tail end of like the reign of modernism and I think uh it was a time when realistic painting was like you were discouraged from doing that in art classes and you know maybe you found yourself unaffected by the art world as it as it stood back then or um is there's there's no real uh, clear answer to that um in the sense that um I think in hindsight our perspective um is different than the perspective that I remember um, as a young artist. Um, I think that as a young artist, uh, um, um, at one point in my in my life, uh, I felt there. You know, I kind of assumed that um, that that what I wanted was available um, to a large degree. And in New York, I think. It was, to a certain degree, available to learn um, or to sort of find something about um, craftsmanship and uh, uh, the idea of um, of formulating a, a sort of good drawing and, and understanding uh, something about anatomy. And I mean, th- these things were were here in New York to you a large degree. Uh, yeah, I grew up here in New York, um, and. Uh, I mean, compared to, I think, uh, if I were to grow up in Paris, I think it would not be available. Right. Uh, or if I were to grow up in Which anywhere in Europe, really, maybe yeah. with the exception of Spain, you know, uh, there was really very little um, available right. in terms of... Um, you needed, like, uh, a totalitarian regime to, <laughs> like, encourage you to learn <laughs> realism. Uh, I, 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 who knows? I, I don't. I, yeah, that, that's the reason or not. But, uh, but, uh, um, but I, I do think, though, that here in New York, we we had the remnant of um, of uh, certain artists who worked in a more social realist um, vein, and uh, other artists who worked um, in their own kind of um, world that was sort of isolated from the mainstream art world. That that still offered um, uh, young people uh, the availability. Of um, of good drawing and learning how to draw and, and, and craftsmanship and you know painting techniques and so forth, uh, uh, but I, I and at the same time I, uh, there were other other things that you could say that were available then that that really aren't available now. I mean, for one thing, um, the, we had um, when I was going to high school, um, uh, I went to the high school of art and design, and it was a 
great experience because I, at a very early age we were painting from life and we had a, a, a group of artists, um, young people, we would get together every morning and paint and draw around the city um, um, as early as uh, five o'clock in the morning and we'd wow. get up and, 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 and meet on the subway and go around sketching and, and sometimes meet in the high school and paint each other. So there, uh, the, the, the school, um, allow you to have, obviously they did, but did they help you get the models and, and all that? No, we posed for each other. You did for each yeah, other. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it grew into a larger enough group and it was, um, it was a wonderful experience. Um, prior to that, I, I had been going to the art students league, um, very early age. I started, um, at about maybe 12, 13 years old at the league. And I studied. And they have a wonderful Did they history. let you? I tried to go there mm -hmm. when I was 12 or 13. They wouldn't let me in front of the models. So I did sculpture for a while. And then I think mm -hmm. when I was maybe 15, they started to let I me I think with go. the parents' uh, permission, they allowed oh, yeah. you to be in, with the model. Um, I, I started off with um, artists like uh, Robert Beverly Hale, uh, oh, yeah. Gustav Rayberger, um, um, a little bit with uh, Moses Sawyer, uh, um, I mean, I, a little bit with David LaFell, a number of artists that, that were there at the league that offered, um, Gustav Rayberger, I don't know if I mentioned, he, um, terrific influence uh, on young, young, young kids, you know, young boys, especially. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, he was just very, very, uh, entertaining. <laughs> he had a great, uh, he had, entertaining he had this a this crazy word. personality that, that, that just went, uh, uh, very far with a lot of the, you know, kids and young people, <laughs> you know, it was just like we loved him, you know, because he was so kind of out there. Um, uh, as opposed to like Robert Beverly Hale, who was very, he was know, really serious, really boring <laughs> for a kid, you know, like very I I mean, I grew monotone. Up on we love him now, and, but back yeah. then it was like, oh, it was painful. When I studied with, you I know, guess, a guy who co-wrote some of the books with him, Terrence Coyle. Mm -hmm. who I think went off in kind of a slightly different direction, but like he had me doing a lot of ink wash drawings, which I think were sort of a great experience. I was looking at a lot of the sort of like planar mm -hmm. kind of Tiepolos. Well, one of the things that he, that he did that I do um, now with my own students uh, to some degree, not to, Robert the extent, Hill. Yeah, the, not, not to the extent that he did, you know, with regard to really getting into the anatomy per se as, as much as I do. But uh, what, what, what I do is, I mean, what he had done was he would, if you would do your drawing and then he would put a piece of tracing paper over your drawing and um, kind of correct, um, you know, where you're, uh, you might have erred. Uh, would it be structurally? Uh, well, about, or? you'd look at like, say, well, this muscle grouping doesn't mm -hmm. really go here. Uh, this doesn't make any sense. This bone goes here, you know, and he'd, he'd draw the skeleton over your drawing and, and some of the muscle groupings um, around your drawing to show you where you were off. And you can see and, like, and you could see it on the model that yeah. way. And then you say, oh yeah, now I see it. You right, know? this bone couldn't possibly right, fit right. in this shape. And, and as, as a young kid, I think that, you know, as a kid, you know, I, I mean, it has to do with the way we, um, you know, it's not really what we see. It has to do more with the way we know something. And, uh, you know, the way we know something is the way we develop our seeing. Uh, and, and so very early on, I, I, I felt like that, that, um, that, that I thought I knew what I saw, you know, but then when you, um, when you're given some knowledge outside of what you think you see, everything gets harder. Then, well, then, <laughs> then you begin to develop sort of the, the feeling that, well, maybe I don't really know what I see that I have to discover what I see. How and old so, were you when you started feeling that when you, when you discovered that very early? 
very early. So perception is not something that um, you can take for granted, that perception is um, um, an accumulation of knowledge um, based on experiences. Hmm. And so um, even in, in a simple way like that, that that looking at the bumps of the back, for example, um, you know, as a kid, you look at, you see all these like bumps and you're trying to copy each one mm -hmm. of them as accurately as possible. But then, you know, when you start learning a little bit more about what all that means, then you start, you say, well, that, there, that, there's the scapula. Right. You it's know? not oh, like random that's not, bumps. Yeah, right. that, I understand. Oh, that's and, why right. the, you know, it looks that way when the arm is up and when the arm is down, it looks slightly different or, you know, and so forth. So, so knowledge is, um, is key to the or understanding is key to the way we see right. and the way we see is key to the way we understand something mm. so so um, uh, the way we think and the way we see are are, are, combi are a combination of events right it's um, like your 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 eye is given so much information and then you're you have to sift through it all and make sense of it like create order out of all of this stuff that you're that you're being all this information that you're being given. Uh, well, it's I think that it, that there's there are always um, how should I say this that their perception is uh, um, uh, combinate. I mean, we were talking about memory earlier on, and uh, memory uh, is uh, deeply connected to the way we develop a, a sense of self um, and and a. And a an awareness of and in com combination with an awareness of how we understand the world. So the way we um, uh, remember things uh, unconsciously and consciously um, in combination very often affect our perception. Uh, and the way we begin to obtain knowledge and the selectivity of that knowledge uh, has uh, has a ha has some connection to the way we. Um, previously remembered things. Mm. Um, so, so, for example, um, uh, when, we, when you look at something and you see it for the first time, it may or may not be for the first time that you actually see it. So, uh, it, it, but yeah. it, it may be something that, that you have seen right. before, you know, but you feel this sort of uh, funny sense of recognition, but yet you, it, it appears to be new to you. And, and so the way we see something like that, or the way we perceive the uh, course of events, or, or the way we perceive um, um, phenomena, and the way we perceive even something simple to be able to figure out how to draw it or, or know it, um, is, con is, is, a, is a, 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 a mysterious, something mysterious about, the, about each experience that, that we, that, that as an artist, at least the way I think about it, um, with regard to how we see something and how we know it, um, and so it's 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 connected in, in some way to our our experience with that object or with other objects that are like it, and uh, and it's also um, a, a new experience. So it, it, it in the sense that it's connected to our history of of, percept, of perceptible. Um, experiences, and at the same time, it's it's brand new. Um, and what I mean by that is that there's a relationship between how we subjectively und subjectively understand something and come to uh, a feeling for it, and how we objectively um, uh, 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 experience that that object or that phenomena. Um, and so there's a, a combination of both. 
it's not so much a balance as much as it is um, a rhythm that mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we establish um, uh, in the process of seeing and knowing, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 sometimes that knowing is um, is. Uh, um, uh, it comes from our unconscious. Mm-hmm. So is it the job of the artist to try to balance that? Because sometimes seeing and knowing is going to be, you're just Well, seeing be, is knowing. You see, seeing is knowing and knowing mm-hmm. is seeing. And so what's conceptually uh, based and what's perceptually based to me yeah. are one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of our, uh, con- con- uh, uh, all of our conceivable conceptions, you could say, are uh, directly related to our um, inner history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is our, our, our dreams, our, um, our unconscious visual images and experiences. So the way, so when we were talking about our kids, like remembering, you know, your, um, your child remembering, um, you know, all of the states and my Jacob remembering all of car, different cars, <laughs> yeah. and how they looked. And, we were and having I, a conversation I before I had him in a stroller. I had him in a stroller walking down 38th street near, and he says, Porsche, Porsche. And he's like pointing at the Porsche, you know, coming down the road. And I said, well, he's like, I really like the back. <laughs> you know? I really like the, the way the back looks. I don't like the new style. I like the old style. I really back. like the way the back looks. <laughs> and, and I know the feeling because like I, I know like when I was a little kid, there were certain things that visually stimulated my right. imagination. Sure. And, uh, and, and those things are still sort of in there, even though consciously I've forgotten them. Right. And, uh, and in some ways, that's, that's, um, that's what I'm talking about. That's uh-huh. like the memory yeah. that's yeah, that, that, being so sort of So it's like what you up. respond to right. sometimes is, is uh, uh, it, 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 you know, it, it's, it's sort of inspired by the feeling that you, you might have had even as a child observing something and, and, and forgetting, you know, consciously. Right. The, the curve of something is evocative of a curve that you really liked when you were a kid or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or just the shape of something or the yeah. look of something. Uh, a lot of times I, I t- tell my students that always carry a sketchbook to draw. It's always better to uh, make a bad drawing than to click away at your, uh, you know, with your camera phones. God, you if know? you go to a museum, <laughs> a like bad nobody drawing, looks at Because a bad drawing is an experience that, that you, re- that goes into your mind and that you, re- that, that even on an I've subconsciously and consciously you, yeah, <laughs> but it, but it, but it, but it, uh, it, it stays in, inside the brain, you know, right. it, the experience yeah. remains. Um, and, and that all things visual, everything that we've experienced, the mind remembers and records, whether we like it or not. And that all of these phenomena are inside of us. We just know? can't necessarily. And our dreams that. are what allow some of that to f- come out. You know, mm-hmm. so our dreams are a smorgasbord, you could say, of <laughs> of the complex experiences that we had at one time, right. uh, and visual images that that we've had at one time that our conscious mind forgets. Right. Um, and so this sort of dream world that that is inside of us, inside of all of us is something that is also connected to our perception. Mm-hmm. And so perception is, uh, or, or is in many ways guided by uh, um, a, a selective process. And that selective process is um, both conscious and unconscious, right. is what I'm trying to say. So there's this subconscious kind of process going on that... In terms of what we what we are drawn to and what we're not, right. and it's and the same thing that drives your dreams. It's the same exactly. Thing that drives, exactly. Uh, but also, I think that our, well, our dreams are random. 
you know, are, are, are supposedly random. Maybe not. Maybe maybe they appear to be random, but nece- not necessarily. Um, at least that's what they tell us. You've never been to a strength. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but the the idea is that uh, when we when we um, as you know people who draw and paint, <laughs> we we. You know, we, we don't we, you can't take these things for granted. In other words, that that the selective process, being selective about what we want and what we desire, uh, with regard to you know our uh, our conceptualization and our perception, um, you know, are are deeply connected uh, to both our conscious and unconscious thoughts, and at the same time, deeply connected to our desires about what it is that we want for our work and for our vision. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a, um, um, a, uh, um, uh, something of that we have to, we're in control of and something of that we're not in control of. And you're happy to kind of, or, or whatever you accept that you can, you cede control of some part of the process of the art. Well, making. an example would be like, I, for example, I tell my students never, you know, if the model is, they're posing not to go on autopilot, for right. example, you know, not to, to just always sort of, be aware, always be conscious. Yeah, but not to just sort of like randomly say, oh, I have to make a represent an academic, you know, well-drawn drawing and I have to get it accurate and I have to be very good about it. But instead to um, sit there and, and, and think about what it is that makes you want to make that drawing, mm-hmm. what it is that's, that's, great that's guiding your desire to actually want to make a drawing or make a painting, you know, what are the what are the the visual uh, effects of of the experience that um, are guiding uh, your your heart, so to speak? Do you, uh, do you think to um, a new student that that might be too advanced skill wise to be able to? No, I think, think everybody everybody has what I call like a visual vocabulary already there, already in the mind. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a, when I, we talk about, you know, not, not you making a bad drawing and not, not make, taking, put on your cell phones, that ends up on the laptop, you know, the, the bad drawing goes into your brain. Uh, and, and so the, the, the bad drawing in your brain is part of a number of other bad drawings or good drawings, but, but number of other things that, that you, that you, you, you're building a, a sense of recognition towards. Uh, visually, and so this this idea that 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 everything is sort of um, like a visual dictionary in your mind, a compilation of words and meanings that are uh, that are both conscious and unconscious, uh, are 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 what we select from, you know, when we're observing something. So we're selecting, we're being selective uh, uh, in our perception with regard to what we see and want and desire for, to, in order to enhance uh, the uh, the expression that we're after, and, and how to how to allow that to um, uh, uh, be 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 an extension of our concept and and enhance that concept, um, uh, or we uh, we say, well, that's that's going. You know, we, we leave it, we, or we, we subdue it, an area, or we leave something alone and omit it because it becomes a, uh, uh, it disrupts or uh, uh, becomes uh, secondary uh, to what it is that we really want. Uh, and so the selective process is conscious. And at the same time, I think that we reach into our unconscious uh, in the rhythm of, that, of, of the doing, um, that, uh, that, 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 that those words that are, that are there, that dictionary that is there, that, that allow us the knowledge to make poetry mm-hmm. and not just to copy the dictionary. Right. So, so the idea of, 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 of grabbing the right words 
to say the right thing. When right. I say words, I mean the right, images, the visually, visual, visually, like your visual to say the right thing uh, are, uh, are in combination to what it is that we're observing and responding to. Right. So it's, it isn't simply uh, coming from uh, the imagination and the mind, and it isn't simply coming from the observable experience, but that it's in the combination of the two mm-hmm. that uh, a rhythm is, is established and, uh, and the drawing or the painting is simply an imprint of. Right. And so the, the belief that I, that I have about working from life uh, is in correspondence to that. The reason I don't work from photography is because I I need the the experience uh, to become firsthand, not secondhand. I need that experience um, to uh, tap into the the unconscious, to tap into what it is that to, that that my desire is for for what I see. Right. And so the desire of something, the the wanting of something, is uh, is so important. Uh, in, in the appetite uh, of, of, of discovering what's meaningful visually. And drawing back into that, that vocabulary, that long history of experience that you've built up. I guess you do like a ton of drawing, just sketching. I, I'm assuming your hand is just constantly in motion. Not right now, but uh, <laughs> just <laughs> look at it. <laughs> you want is a piece that, of paper I mean, and draw I, I, for and example, talk like at I, the same I, time? I tell my students, you know, if you don't have a piece of paper and a sketchbook, draw in your head. Yeah. Right. You know, I paint, I'm painting in my head all the time. Right. You know. Uh, so when you're doing so. that, are you taking notes or are you actually trying to you know look at the contour or something or are you just trying to take like you were saying words and eventually later on maybe you can put it all together are you like really looking at something and saying what makes this thing this thing well i'm looking at something and and i say to myself well what makes me like it Hmm. you know what why do i like the way something looks you know why do why does it why did what about that that hey that's really interesting, you know, or, or what makes me want to, um, you know, respond one way or another to it. That's a great point. Cause I so, will ad- admit that there are times when I look at something and I love it, but I don't ask why I love it. I just look at it and I say, that's beautiful. And I walk away. Mm-hmm. And, and as an artist, I really think that's, that's like a really great advice to sit there. And I, and I do, but I think I too often don't. And I look at something, appreciate it, and walk, and then go go about my business. Well, I think that it's it's. I think we all do that too, to a certain degree. I think that, especially in this day and age, we're we're so bombarded with things visual yeah. that oh we God, take it yeah. so many so much of it for granted. Um, and uh, I mean, uh, you know, we see laptops, photographs, you know, images here, images there, so many images that, and uh, rep- the representation of images, even you know that. That, that sort of um, in our dis- contra- in disrupt our, contra- our, uh, our our ability to appreciate. Yeah, and our concentration span is getting smaller and smaller. As mm-hmm. not, you know, as a whole, I think. Not I th- mine. I think uh, <laughs> we as artists are, are are keeping that concentration, but um, it seems that people are more are just so um, quick to just look at the next thing, at the next mm-hmm. thing, flip it, flip it, flip it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which you can't when you're spending like months on a painting. I You've got to yeah. keep like your long-term concentration. It's like a exercise. Like you, you've got to build up those muscles to be able to maintain that kind of dedication that you're saying, like never to go on autopilot, to paint a painting for, you know, a month, two months, six months. Well, I should, I should qualify that to a certain degree that 
I, I think that uh, when I say not to go on autopilot, I mean that uh, the initial, how should I say this, that the, 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 the initial impetus uh, for anything should be um, uh, felt and then thought about. Uh, and, and, and what I mean by that is that, um, that one has to sort of uh, first have a response to something and to respond uh, in a way that's emotional, like to have an emotive uh, response to something. And then, and then it's the task of the artist, whether it's a visual artist or the writer or the musician, yeah, composer, uh, to sort of give it form uh, and, and to make it, to give it presentation. So, and, and, it, and there's, a, there's a relationship between the two and also a dichotomy in the, uh, between the two. Right. Uh, uh, philosopher Benedito Croce once said that the true work of art is not the work itself, but is in the mind of the artist. And when the artist dies, the true work of art dies with the artist. And we never really see the true work of art. We only see the surrogate of the substitute to the true uh, 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 image. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, you could, we could say that uh, that that's uh, true to a large degree. But then my my position is that that's uh, that has something to do with the uh, the the Dionysian Apollonian response. <laughs> so you could say, for example, that the the the, uh, the response that's emotive uh, is uh, then you know you know given form. You have to intellectually give intellect, give present an intelligent uh, formal. Uh, way of presenting uh, the 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 emotive you know, that um, that emotive response or that that the, the emotions you could say, and then um, how does one do that? So you could, one could say that well, once you give it form, then you lose the emotion, you know, or the emotion is sort of you know tempered, it, it's sort of distilled. It's no longer that raw emotion, you know, and uh, to a large degree that's true. And I think that's in a way what Croce is saying is that. The, 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 what's in the mind is, is you know, what, what happens in the mind is that is, is, is part of that, 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 that wanting, that desire, that, that something that's inexplicable, that's something that can't be visualized or made visual, that's something that can't be put into words, simply because once it is, it takes away from, compromise. it compromises the, the, the initial uh, emotion. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, and so... I think that's true, but I think that what happens is that we have to give up. And in a sense, we have to, once we have that, one has to sort of uh, uh, give up on the, uh, on, on the conscious um, uh, 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 decision-making process to some degree, not, not 100%, but to some degree in order to allow chance and discovery to filter in. And so, you see... Knowing that we can't get to what's really that into that that first response, you could say, or that that, yeah. that desire that's deep in uh, you know in our heart's mind, you know, knowing that we can't really get 100% to that, you know, we could only get a substitute um, by virtue of the sort of intellect. Mm -hmm. But what happens is that the process itself. Uh, can take um, you can take note of and allow the process itself to sort of find its way through mm -hmm. through that and so by allowing uh, the unconscious and in combination with chance to enter in then what happens is that we find something else and so a picture can then become something better than we expected mm -hmm. so and does a picture the process can become or an image can become a surprise 
to us in a way that that we had no idea it could become that. Yeah. Uh, and it and it's no longer the initial emotive idea, but it's related to it, but it's better. But does yeah. that happen? You know, and that's what you want. In your, I mean, you've done big, huge, multi-figure paintings. Is is that like? Do you make changes on the fly like that? As uh, absolutely, really, I, I go over things like, I mean, I. You know, if you could see, I, I've, 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 I've witnessed it. I've actually witnessed it. Come over and say, you know, like you just wiped that out. Why did you wipe that out? You know, I mean, like, why are you starting over again? That was such a great start. And yeah. Like, I've seen you do things where I'm like, what is he doing? Do you ever regret it? Or do, do you feel like it's always leading somewhere fresh and just by virtue of going somewhere new, it's important to be open to wiping out this entire well, I, I find that my, my kind of um, emotional uh, rhythm, uh, as, I'm, you know, as I've aged, as I'm getting older, uh, has changed. Um, I think that um, when you're a young artist, or you know, young painter, I don't even like to say the word artist because it's, I think that it's pretentious, you know, better off just saying painter or draftsman. <laughs> really? really? <laughs> I've always That's... heard the opposite. I'm uh, an artist, I'm not a painter. Well, when I tell somebody I'm a painter, they ask if I do if houses. You do houses. <laughs> well, I think that, uh, uh, you know, we talk about uh, uh, the intellect and we talk about Dionysian, Apollonian, the, 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 the emotion, the emotive and the intellect. But there's also uh, something else. I think that there's, you know, something we, we forget uh, in, in, in our day and age, especially is um, courage. You know, what it mm -hmm. takes to sort of do something out of risk or right. the act of faith right. entering into a process of, of, of all of that. You know, so so faith is um, taking um, just taking that leap and just going, let me let me go for it. Because I think I think that we sort of ignore faith in our in our era, especially and the importance of faith, that faith is um, deeply uh, 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 rooted in our brain and our psyche in a way that we don't even understand, you know, the things that we, you know, as human beings, you know, our heart's desire in the deepest possible way is something that very often we overlook or don't pay attention to. And, uh, and that, that to me is uh, a faith seeking process. Um, and so, so faith is, um, is, uh, can be, uh, uh, a lie or faith can be, uh, the truth. You know, uh, uh, and it's uh, it, sometimes uh, our mind lies to us and sometimes our mind tells us the truth and we don't even know it. Um, so our in my the way I see it is that our mind is the biggest liar in the world to us. <laughs> and and sometimes we lie back to our mind. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so and in many ways, this is sort of. Um, connected to uh, or the complexity of perception. Is it, is it, I mean, is it just human insecurity that does that or? It's, it's the, uh, it's the way our mind is, uh, uh, I believe the human mind is, uh, is, uh, you know, structured and all at the human mind, not just each of our individual, but the, the way we, the way we are as human beings, that, that our, our, the, the way, what's inside of our um, uh, mind and spirit, uh, what we were saying before was Tony had asked, do you ever regret wiping out a piece? 
Uh, and then and then we started talking about fish. Yeah, I mean, sure, but but I think that the regrets are just like a bad drawing. You know, I mean, like it's you got to do it. You got to well, have the regrets. Having, having the know. faith in the process. Yeah, you got to make. You got to have the mistakes. You got to have the the struggle of something not going well. You have. I mean, for me, a lot of times if something goes too well and I feel like it's a good start. Uh, you know, I instinctively feel like something's wrong. <laughs> right. I always, as soon as yeah. like, yeah. Wait this a is, so, this was going too to easy. Going well, like, oh, okay. Sometimes you're gonna, I have to mess it up easy. in order to, to, <laughs> to, to fix like it, it you know, again. Um, and, but then you also said, um, after, after, do you have any regrets? You said that you paint, that, that you have a different rhythm now than you did when you were a kid. I think that when you're younger, you see things more in terms of black and white and things uh, are very, I mean, we could all, especially guys, you know, like, young men, like I see this with a lot of my male students, my kids and so forth, that, that there's, that there is, there's, it's always like black and white, you know, things are very black and white, you know, like, yeah. And, 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 and so like we need definition, you know, and we need sort of like the, the, the clarity of, of things. And so when I said that our vision is a little more clear, I guess that's what I meant. I didn't mean like clear, really clear. I just, I you know, in terms of like, like, uh, what, I, what I meant to say is I didn't mean that it really means clarity. I, I just mean that it become it's a little bit more sort of like clear to the viewer uh, what the vision is because it's so black and white. Whereas I think that when you become when you're older, the, the vision becomes more clear to you as an artist, but to others, it becomes less clear. Um, and so to others, it becomes the subtleties and the choices become a little bit less clear because the vision is so is made so much more enhanced and, it, and is is uh, uh, becomes less singular in its ob in, in its character and it becomes more complex. So so um, so I find that uh, I find that when I look at more mature artworks or, you know, by artists or I look at older art, other art, I, I, I begin to my mind goes into sort of other, more subtle directions um, that I wouldn't see in, in, in the youthful work. But the youthful work uh, very often appears, it just is, it sort of has more of a punch to it yeah. because we understand it uh, more immediately. Yeah. You know, we understand it with more immediacy. Um, and, uh, um, and so like, I, I think that I, just looking at, at, you know, where I, when I think about myself, uh, when I was very young, uh, I, I could draw very well at a very early age. I could, I could, I mean, it, I could really draw very well. I mean, I'm not bragging or anything, but, but I mean, I had that, I, I mean, it took me a little while to figure out how to paint, you know, I mean, I remember crying in my coffee, wanting to learn how to paint, <laughs> but, but I could, I could, uh, I, how old were you when you were drinking coffee? <laughs> yeah. Teenager. <laughs> oh, five. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's funny cause, um, you studied with, you studied with, um, uh, with Max Ginsburg, right at the was it was well, that we were, we were was, a group. Uh, he was my high school teacher along high school. with Erwin Greenberg, wow. and uh, we uh, 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 they were instrumental in I think uh, in the early morning uh, episodes that yeah. we had uh, painting and drawing from the model. Uh, and, so were uh, they were they showing the you time, artists and books at, and I'm sorry, yeah? were they showing you different artists and books and people I, you yeah, wanted but, but to? But I, I had already been uh, so you uh, were already doing that on your own uh, when I was younger, uh, and I had also started copying at the Met when I was about 13. Wow! So I had another uh, an artist uh, 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 teacher of mine in uh, junior high that uh, was a copyist, and we would go to the Met and copy. 
so I at started thir- at 13. At 13, yeah. yeah. Who, who, like, what artists were appealing to you then? I mean, what, uh, what were you looking at, or what, what drew you in? I mean, uh, at such a young age. What were you too. copying? Uh, well, we were, before that, my, my mom would take me to the Metropolitan Museum, and I would draw the Knights in Armor. I loved Knights in oh, Armor. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, at a very early age, uh, like seven, eight years old, I would sit in front of the Knights in Armor and draw them. Like, uh-huh. You know, every weekend we'd go on Saturdays and uh, just sit there and draw on the floor. And at that time, they had a great display. I mean, it wasn't as boring as it is now. But they, they still have. I mean, I think no, I mean, they're more accurate there. now. But I mean, you know, but back then it was like inaccurate. <laughs> they had dragons. <laughs> it was like, you know, the more, the, the cooler it looked, the better, you know. Henry VIII never like whether fought or not, a dragon. Yeah, it had nothing to do with whether or not that helmet really went with that. You know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it was a picture like, right. of Mordor and, and, you know, you on the wall. In, I just remember as a kid, you know, God, the jousting figure with that helmet, that, yeah. that yeah. you know, that, that crazy helmet that was like looking at you, you know, when you walked in yeah. with the lance pointing right at at you, <laughs> you know, as soon as you know you're walking, and you did like the victim's eye view, and then they changed the position view. of the lance. You know, they made it go up instead of like you know that the way it looked. You know, I mean, I, it wasn't so much the the, the the sort of idea of armor or the, the it was just the way it looked. You know, right. and and I think even as a kid, I think that the things that as artists we all try to, painters, drawers, drawers, whatever we want to call ourselves, that, <laughs> <laughs> that 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 what it is that 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 uh, that makes us like want to draw as a kid is just the way something looks. Right. You know, you it's like so and love the way it looks. Like you know, and you it want sounds it, like you know? that. So like true. that hasn't changed too much. Like you still you still. Just the way that you did when you were a kid at the Met, sitting on the floor drawing those just, nights. Like and it was like the shape of something, like the way my, you know, my my Jacob like liked the back, the back of, of the Porsche. Porsche. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what it, would you say that's like a strong factor driving you now? Like still, it's, I think everyone. Scene, I mean, if you yeah. if you're honest with yourself, yeah, about what it is that um, well, I think so that, much that that makes you you know like you know that drives your visual interest, right? You know, it it, it it's it's simply because you love the way things look. Well, and you love the yeah, act that's part of, of it. You figuring know I mean? it out. The way things look and why it looks that way and why you like the way that yeah, looks. Yeah, why it and, appeals. You know, what the language that it makes when you look at something visual. Right. And you do know? you feel like you're understanding, like the process of, let's say, sitting in front of one of those nights and drawing it, do you feel like, or, or you know, in here, maybe if you're looking around the room and, and making just kind of mental paintings, like, is that process, is, is, is that you figuring out what it is that appeals to you about these things, or is it just capturing that thing? It, it depends on how much time you have. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's you know, always I mean, good. It depends yeah. on, well, you know, I mean, like, uh, you know, if I'm bombarded with uh, a lot of things I have to do, then maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is that appeals to your son about the back of that Porsche, like if you sit there and you draw the back of the Porsche, are you kind of unraveling the mystery of what draws you in? Or is it just about capturing that thing? Well, I think that, uh, I mean, it, you know, I mean, who knows? Maybe it reminded, subconsciously reminded him of his mom. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm sure you the know, designers, something, something that, conscious... that went back to sort of a, a very, you know, primal impulse. Right. You know? I don't know. I'm just saying that, that, I mean, it could or it couldn't, but, but, you know, as, as as an artist, you know you are painter or draftsman. Busted. But there's a there's a uh, um, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you know, Steve, I, um, your your subject matter is is the human figure, and um, how 
What does the human figure represent to you? I don't think of painting like as portraiture. As portraiture I don't yeah. think of um, of um, something even being figurative, so per se, or think about um, all of the ives and 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 tons <laughs> and you know like yeah. all of the, the the things that we sort of like categorize uh, the idea of the figure in. I think it's more for me. It's always been sort of more about uh, the the mystery of what makes us human. You know, and the human image is uh, uh, a mystery. It's it's not something to be taken for granted. It, it's right. it's a it's a, 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 a great mystery. It's it's huge. <laughs> you know, and and so you know you can go as far back as you know people were, you know, you know the the, the Venus of Willendorf, the, the images of human beings, you know, are 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 are, are, are just curiosities. Right. Do you, you know, think that us. it changes, like our perception changes over time? I mean, like, in some ways, the representations of the human figure haven't changed, you know, for thousands of years. And I wonder, like, do you feel like you look at people maybe differently than, I don't know, painters in the 19th century or the 16th century? Or do you feel like that mystery that drove, I don't know, Titian is the same mystery that's driving you uh, Raphael Sawyer once said that there are two um, kinds of artists or painters or drawers. <laughs> that uh, there are the ones that like people and the ones that don't like people. <laughs> and, That's great. Uh, and uh, and I, I often think about that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that there are, if you look at um, uh, back in history, I mean, even the artists that don't like people and that paint and draw people, you know, they maybe they have something... Uh, something some self-loathing involved in that i don't know mm -hmm. but but you 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 do feel some of that sometimes mm -hmm. and, um, like the coldness of maybe somebody's painting um, of a person sometimes it's not sometimes it's uh, actually very expressive you know and 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 very uh uh um um, how should I say this? Almost opinionated. I don't want to name any names, but I, I go ahead. Names. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I think let's say take an artist like Lucien Freud. Yeah. You know, I think that I don't think that he really loves people. I, I, I agree. You know, but yet his paintings are extremely expressive of something. You know, mm -hmm. and so that there's uh, there's something also very curious and mysterious about his paintings that that are um, uh, interesting to us as human beings looking at them. Uh, in the way he, you know, represents a human image, you know, or the human being, you know, uh, it's, not, it's not my point of view because, uh, you know, I, I just don't have that, that self-loathing, you know, I, I mean, I don't feel that. So do you me. think, so cause when you look at the way I feel, when you look at some of Lucian Freud's paintings, um, some of them are hard to look at in the sense that the flesh looks like it's diseased or tortured. And, and is it, is it a look he's going for? Is it, is it expression? Is it something that's, that's coming from deep that I down? Think I admire about him is that, uh, I mean, uh, that you don't, there's nothing um, kind of pretentious about it mm -hmm. in the sense that the way it's painted, it, it, it seems so matter of fact and so, you know, deeply honest in a way, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and when I say by matter of fact, I think that, that there's uh, almost a, a, um, uh, like a, a, I don't know, a, an unraveling of sorts going on, you know? I mean, it, it, not, not too, I mean, when I think about de Kooning too, his images of women, you know, that those are, those de Kooning paintings, there's something about the unraveling of, of the paint that, 
that that gets to something uh, uh, very uh, uh, difficult about the human image, something mm. hard to look at. That that that's part of who we are, you know, as human beings. I mean, we're we're a combination of things, you know. Human image is, I mean, you know, we're 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 all sorts of things, you know. We're and uh, some artists, uh, like I said, you know, like people and some don't. Yeah. <laughs> so so their, their selectivity, uh, you know, is either on one side of the coin or the other. You know, like I, I like to think about when I when I look at when I when I'm painting and drawing, I first have a symmetrical outlook. Um, I, you could say. Explain, um, explain what you mean by that. That I try to um, I look at I look at the symmetry of, of, of form first. And then I see the asymmetry second, uh, and so I I I'm trying I try to find the. So is the symmetry more or less a, the conceptual idea in your head? It's because we're, we're not. It's na- nature. So you, you're going. Vis- you're talking about the optics it's, of what you're seeing, or that's no, it's na- nature itself nature is, is both symmetrical and asymmetrical. Yeah. There's there's something about form, you know, forms of nature that are. Um, uh, for example, and you do a, a a face painting or drawing a face. Uh, when you step back, uh, the face becomes less identifiable. It becomes more more associated with our humanity or our uh, humanness, like more universal. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we uh, look at something at a distance, our perception of that object is, or that form, or that that human image, is. Um, there's more. Uh, there are more free associations. First of all, that we make in our mind, uh, and at the second. Secondly, it becomes more unified. Object, you know, you know, visually, it becomes more unified and more balanced, at a distance. Mm-hmm. So uh, I see uh, the you know two eyes, two nostrils, you know, corners of the mouth, two ears, and we 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 first see the wholeness of of a shape. Um, as, as we get closer and closer, the wholeness becomes disrupted, and we begin to uh, fragment the image. And as we get closer and closer, uh, we begin to see the asymmetry of the form. So one eye is a little lower, one eye is a little higher, mm-hmm. one nostril is a little lower. You know, one ear is higher, one ear is lo- you know, lower, right. and so forth. And so, I mean, this is what Freud. I mean, he works very close to the, his sitter. You know, very close. Mm-hmm. So his first response is in the asymmetry of the form. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm just the opposite. I like seeing things at a distance. Mm-hmm. You know, first. I mean, it sort of the sight size idea, idea notion that you first see the whole and then the parts. Right. Uh, and so I, I like looking at, at at a form first and the whole, and then as I move close incrementally, I begin to find the the particularities, and it's in the particular. That uh, the uh, individual and the uh, the finite become associative. So it's it's how, in other words, the individual as an individual and the finite experience become uh, associative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's at a distance in our perception that you could say um, uh, where we find the wholeness of the object, the, its equilibrium and its cyclical. Uh, uh, universality, mm-hmm. you know, you could say. So, so the cycle of of uh, of of the object is understood and represented by virtue of that object is connected to one of many. Mm-hmm. You know, so a leaf 
you look at a leaf up close and you look at it at a distance. You see the shape right. at a distance and you connect the leaf to the tree or to other leaves. Right. You look at it up close and you see that all the veins of that leaf are varied and different. Right. And then you recognize that that leaf will never be another leaf like it in all of time right. and history. It's like that's Because it's so specific right. and so particularized that in that moment, in that moment of looking at something in its particular mm -hmm. nature, it's it's unique. So then in that? And it's making, the, it makes the moment unique. Right. And so the process becomes a combination or a rhythm in, in painting or drawing. Right. As an artist, <laughs> <laughs> as a draftsman or painter. It, it, it becomes something uh, revelatory. Right. And so the, uh, the, the, the revelation of both the, 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 the you could say, the, the finite and the eternal uh, 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 become homogenous or united mm -hmm. in the experience. And, and one other thing, though, I should say, though, is that perception is also limited, that, that we're bound by our perception and that our perception is also um, that, how should I say this, that, that, that uh, there's a parameter. There are always parameters in everything. So if, um, in other words, that you can never get far enough away from something and you never get close enough mm -hmm. to something, really. You know, we're always limited or bound by a certain perceptual space, mm -hmm. you know, and it's in that limitation that we're able, like what Camus once said, that know your limits, you know. So it's like once you know your limits, once you know your perceptible limits, then you can intimate the unlimited. And so it's what, what when we know what our formal you know, spatial boundaries are, mm -hmm. then we can use those, use the information that we have and use the, the, the rhythm of, of close and far, you know, that, 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 that squeezing and pulling and, and moving in and out, we can make something intimate the universal outside of, and the finite, in, in its most finite quality. You know? So there's so almost can, like a sweet in and spot. Out as far as you want, mm -hmm. just by virtue of what we have and intimating the whole. You can never see the whole at once. You can only intimate the whole. Right. You know, you could never truly see its detail and you never truly get to the whole. It, it comes off very scientific to me. The, the way you're describing it, it it's almost um, when you talk to like scientists, sometimes they go off on these conceptual ideas. Um, there seems to be so many coincidences that there's all these concepts on a giant universal scale that hold true to the atomic level. It's the that same idea. Big, I mean, and there's complexities involved in that. I have absolutely no yeah. understanding about. I don't think no. any. I just I like to draw. Yeah. I like to like four people yeah. in the world. Yeah. That yeah. I, still, I just like to draw and paint. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my personal view is that there's um, that there is a God, and that uh, outside of it all, somehow that, that, that there's a mysterious uh, uh, relationship with uh, uh, that God has with human beings, um, uh, and that. Uh, uh, human beings are somehow unique in some way in that relationship with God. Um, and, um, you know, I think that as modern people, we, we don't, most, most people don't believe in God, you know, and uh, uh, you could say maybe some do, maybe, I don't know. I don't, I can't say qualify, quantify or qualify that, but I shouldn't say that really. But I do think that um, uh, at least in, uh, you know, 
Well, here in New York, yeah, it's probably, or the yeah. kind of yeah. cultural uh, climate of, uh, of the modern and era, and the art world, the modern <laughs> yeah, the art world. Art there's world, no, yeah, no, the modern, modern era. Uh, that uh, there's uh, uh, a lot of, I mean, a lot of modernism is based on um, mistrust or uh, the belief in uh, the uh, objective image, mm -hmm. and so the, this sort of um, despair and and disbelief that permeates. Um, uh, and still does to a large degree. I think that we've we've changed it into entertainment to distract us from these things, uh, and it's sort of in this entertainment idea that that there is nothing really but just a kind of visceral, uh, you know, play of uh, how how we can be distracted from the, the the thoughts of life and death, and if there is an afterlife or not an afterlife, you know, we're, we're, nobody wants to think about that, you know? <laughs> so we'd rather, you know, have a nice, uh, you know, uh, you know, balloon dog by Jeff Koons, you know, and, and look at ourselves in it and, uh, and be all happy and cheerful. Uh, so you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, the Desert Donation Podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, we say that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's our tagline. Oh um, yeah. So, so you know, this sort of like uh, distraction is. Right. I, I mean, you know, that I, I, think I find I'm not, I'm not putting down Jeff Koons or anything, but because I think no, that he. No, please. No, please. I think he actually, you know, like uh, does what he says. You know, I mean, he he wants to represent modern times, and this is what he does very, very cleverly and very well. Uh, it's a clear reflection and representation of, uh, of the times that we live in, well, that, which is I mean, based in entertainment values. But is know? that, I mean, is that, like, what do you view then as the job of the artist? Like, are, are, are we just reflecting what's out there, or are we creating something that we believe in, that we hope other people will find meaning in? I mean, is it... It's not like Jeff Koons, your, your sort of... A reflection of the times. Right. Time, yeah. And do, do you feel like that's what you're trying to do with your painting or are you trying to do something different? Like, do, does your painting try well, to reflect so the times? I'm not so conscious or? about things that way. Right. I don't, right on. Uh, I, 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 I don't... I mean, I, 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 I'm kind of like, uh, I don't know, like I feel, I, I feel like my vision for things is... Uh, I, I don't think it's necessary for me to reflect the specificity of the times, you should say, or the, the cultural uh, follies of the day. Mm -hmm. I, 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 that's not sort of what I'm after. I'm more, like I said, I, I, I like the mysteries, of, the mystery of, of what we are. You know, that's sort of like what, what makes me curious about things that are visual. Uh, and, and, and so I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not really like, you know, consciously trying to I don't want to become famous that way, or I don't want to like want to. It's like I'm not like after, um, you know, um, um, I don't know something that is so clearly modern. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm more interested in uh, like what what is um, uh, beautiful that that that's connected to something um, not specific to my time. Right. You could so say, it's like a timeless, I, timeless a timeless right. thing. Uh, you could say that, but I, but that's used in in such a sort of it's overused. The, the that, idea uh, that, 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 that I I, I I almost you know kind of. You know, I'm well, we have to, to embrace it. those <laughs> pejoratives. <laughs> you know, portraits that that made me like it stirred like an emotion in you, and it's just a portrait of a person. And when you try to explain that to somebody, 
they're like, well, I don't, it's just a portrait of some dude or something See, like that. Beauty is also something that um, is, uh, I, I, I think that we use the word in a way very often to um, identify stereotypes. Like aesthetics, like modern aesthetics or, or something. Or anything that's stereotypical. You know, we, we say something is beautiful because it's categorized a certain way as something beautiful. Because it's pretty. Yeah, or I mean, you or know, something like, like or like in modern culture, yeah, you know, yeah. like um, like a uh, flower is beautiful. Yeah, yeah or, a, or a skinny model is beautiful. Yeah. you know, mm -hmm. or you know what I mean. That that mm -hmm. that's what connotates beauty. It's it's a uh, or in the 19th century, you know, a neoclassical ideal, yeah. something beautiful. That, that that there's sort of a or to Rubens, a, a, it was something else. A standard else. or a judicious a standard, yeah. uh, uh, law that's applied to what's beautiful and what isn't, and and that's not really. Uh, I think that. Uh, Somehow, you know, as human beings, when we see something that's truly beautiful, you know, we know it. <laughs> you know? Right. It's like there's no words. Meaning, it, but maybe it's also not on and, the surface. And, it, and it's like, yeah, it's not the thing on the it's surface. Like it's like life something that, so... yeah, it's something that, that kind of hits us in a sublime, in a sublime, uh, deep um, gut level. Right. You know, uh, and it could be something as simple I mean, what Picasso once said, you know, like simple is like a, the song of a bird chirping, you know, in, in, the, in the morning, you yeah. know, that, that there's something that as simple it as just that, catches you. that just sort of hits something deeply sublime that makes us recognize beauty. Mm -hmm. And so uh, to me, beauty is a recognition that rather than it's something that we recognize in our consciousness mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to uh, consciously trying to apply laws to what is or what should or shouldn't be beautiful. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it, 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 it somehow hitting the sublime note mm -hmm. on some level that, that's, uh, that, that can't be put into words. What would you say to somebody who would say that idea is just evolution? The idea of, well, the, you know, a caveman wouldn't recognize something beautiful because they were too busy trying not to get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. Except that, cave paintings are beautiful. They, I mean, they are. You know what I'm saying? To us. And and I'm just, I, I like the idea of just... I know you're playing devil's through, advocate. I'm just yes. re-deviling your ass. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I, the idea I, I like saw I've that, uh, yeah, that, that movie by Herzog, you know, the... Um, Which one? The cave, the cave painting? Yeah. The, yeah. You know, yeah. And uh, that... Uh, cave of Dreams or yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, and, uh, I mean, 35,000 years ago, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's crazy. But some people yeah. would argue I mean, that we're just wired like that, that, you know, we don't truly know what beauty is, is that we're just wired like that. I, I, I don't, well, I don't. I mean, I mean, it's amazing that there's tone, there's shading, yeah. you know, and the, the beautiful line, you know, that's there. And, it, you know, it's hard it, to it's, deny when you see something truly beautiful from like your gut. I don't, I don't know why, but you look at it and it, you're just, I, it's, it moves you. Or you look at something and, and it's a universal that is beautiful. And mm -hmm. I have no idea what that means. And I think, you know, as artists, maybe it's, is it our job to try to to explore that, discover it? I, I don't know. Are we the scientists of beauty? <laughs> like, I don't know. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> I think yeah. that uh, my opinion, my feeling, my at least my opinion, uh, I, I think that it has to do with a recognition of the temporal and the eternal. Explain, explain that. Um, somehow the temporal and the eternal, the, the, uh, the, the, the knowing that, that nothing lasts, the knowing deep down. Like the know, vanitas that, of, that, of... Yeah, of, that, that everything is, uh, you know, is just going to 
no fleeting. longer be the pyramids that one day won't exist. They won't. The sun won't you know, burn. The, the sun will burn out. You know, yeah. all everything this. will go. You know, fame will go. Nothing means anything. <laughs> well, that sounds <laughs> pretty know? nihilistic. You know what I mean? That, that, that this sort of deep, what happened to deep, faith, deep, Steve? Deeply, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, like, I, I, I mean, that, that you know, that the vanity is uh, the, the 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 all is is vanity. You know, that, right. that in the sense that that yeah, everything goes. You know, but there's but there's also this sort of like quirky thing about us as humans in that recognition of that in that, that moment of, of, of knowing that there, nothing will last. You know, there's a spark of some knowledge deep down somewhere inside of us, there's some, in all human beings, that there's this curiosity uh, about forever. Right. You know, there's this sort of like something that makes us believe or think that there is a foreverness out there in the spite of, of everything not lasting. And so this idea of the eternal is, in combination with the finite, I believe, is, 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 is somehow subjugated into our, in our psyche uh, in, in, a, in, a deep, in the deepest way possible so that when we see something beautiful, it, it jars that emotion, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it jars the emotion on both sides of the coin right. you know, at once. And, uh, and I, think, um, I think there's... Um, uh, I think that's true of our human nature. That's distinctly different from any anything else on this planet. And you feel like that somehow informs your like your painting, like when you're making paintings, is that kind of cycling through your head? Are you trying to? Are you trying? No, is he trying? Is, is, con- is being self conscious about it? Well, so, <laughs> you know, of course not. I mean, because you know, it's <laughs> like you know, you can have these thoughts about things, you know. But I think that like I like um, I always tell my students this quote by. Uh, uh, um, Bruce Lee. Bruce, Bruce Lee. Lee. Bruce Lee. Right. Oh, this is no, going to be mean, good. I love Bruce Lee. <laughs> I love I'm sorry. Bruce I'm Lee. sorry. Okay, let's go. Back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now we're talking. Trust quote me, by Bruce he's, Lee. He's a genius. A well, quote uh, by Bruce I, Lee. I, I, Bruce I, Lee once I, said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bruce Lee has a goddamn great, artist. I mean, if you go on... on uh, a YouTube and just look up like some Bruce Lee quotes or <laughs> interview with Bruce Lee. Uh, it, it's, it's just fascinating. Um, but uh, uh, Bruce Lee once said that, a quote that I really like. He said, release yourself from the burden of your mind. <laughs> and, uh, and so the mind uh, becomes an impediment to the doing. Right. You know, that you can't think about something while you're doing it. You can right. only think about something before you do it. That's interesting, I think, to bring up. I mean, he, he's... Basically, he's an athlete, and I, I find myself do, sort of creating metaphors to sports a lot with painting. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the kind of painting that we do, which is, I think, different from a lot of art that's happening in the mainstream art world, but I think people who really care deeply about the craft and the act and the process of painting, I think to those people, there is sort of, I hate to use this term, but a performance art element to what we do. And I think that that relates very much to sports and to like the skill. excellent it's skill. Yeah, the yeah. De- and the deep technical but also yeah, yeah the excellent. anything skillful uh requires uh um a rhythm and repetition uh that's done both internally and externally um so there's a, a you know when you see a flying Brishnikov that's you know up in the air a little longer than he should be right, you know? there's right. something about about like well man that's like 
that's not possible. <laughs> right. Know? I mean, like, how does he do that? You know, um, right. and I, I experience that yeah. looking at people's paintings all the time. Right. I see some painting and I just think like the equivalent of, you know, Steve's up in the air a little too long. Like, how did he do that? And I, I think that's, you know, there is some kind of magic and mystery about that. Um, but there's also, I think, uh, something that the art, the artist draw, drawer <laughs> does is that uh, we 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 or or you know a Baryshnikov or any or an athlete or Michael Jordan or whoever or Bruce you know, Lee, yeah you know, Bruce Lee, uh, <laughs> that 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 the, um, the 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 act of doing something well uh, and doing it like as as well as well can possibly at the exist. highest level the highest level highest possible level um, uh, happens uh, not by a conscious uh, process not by being self-conscious about it mm -hmm. but it, it happens because you forget what the processes are it happens because you know them so well on in that in the unconscious mm -hmm. portion of our mind that it just comes right you sort of lose you know, yourself you in lose that yourself you, you don't allow your mind to become the burden that it can be by becoming the impediment to the doing it's like you know walking like reason takes us to the precipice you know reason takes us but we need reason we need our thoughts we need our intelligence in the process of, of you know in the skill based process so reason will take us to the to the, the precipice, you know, and, and tell us where to go, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and then it's, you know, the risk, it's faith that allows us to take the leap. And it's in the leap, in that flying, you know, that, that we forget about reason, you know, but, but we need, we need our intelligence to get us there. Right. And then once we're in, in the water, in the ocean, it's what Kierkegaard once said, we float on 90 fathoms deep an ocean 90 fathoms deep. So it's, it's being able to float on an ocean 90 fathoms deep, you know, and, and it's in that, it, it, it's all of that, that, right. that, that it's, it's, it's like, that's what skill is, right? You know, skill is the real skill, not fake skill, right? But real skill is, is something that, that is marvelous, right? And is it's that marvel, art, do you feel is like? a visual marvel, right? You know, or, or a, you know, Marvel in whatever way you want to take <laughs> it's like it's like you go you know it leaves us all breathless what right. is the what is the floating is it the letting and go the floating it's, a, it's, it's not deep. struggling it's the effortless it's effortless it's it's allowing the abyss to exist Below you. simultaneously with 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 everything in other words like we recognize the nothingness you know and and in that rec recognition where we we allow it to sort of we, we don't allow the um, the, the 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 abyss to, to 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 drown us so to speak by struggling against it. We we let go. We float you know, upon. We well, let you, go and we're floating. It goes you know? back to what you were saying about perspective, as far as like sort of understanding what what's in front of you that you can allow that. You know, I wanted to ask you, Steve, I've, I've never been, Tony's told me about it and I've heard from lots of people and I've never gotten to see one of your demonstrations, but I've heard about them and I've heard, I mean, just incredible because your paintings seem very precise. I mean, I think that there's a lot of, I, I've seen a lot of like texture in your paintings and build up, but 
they're very they feel very organized to me and very like very meticulous but then i i've heard about your like it's like it's like a magic trick sometimes like, you're just like pew, pew. <laughs> i've literally heard of you throwing like just flicking the paint off the brush so the brush isn't actually hitting the canvas <laughs> i just want to ask you if you could talk to us a little bit about the demonstrations and the theater of the demonstrations and i think it also you know almost goes back to sports and people watching you paint but on, i've been seeing some of the demonstrations you've been doing uh, posting on facebook, on facebook. Yeah. and that, I mean, there was one where you had a green light on somebody's forehead and it just zoomed in on the texture of the paint on that green. And it was like, I don't know if you were close to the canvas. I don't know how you could even, it, it reminded me of uh, Antonio Mancini a little bit, but the, the texture was just so out of control. But then you managed to pull it all together and create something that, you know, a head that was very solid. It was very structured. It was symmetrical and asymmetrical. I mean, it, it can you walk us can through you comment your, on this? Yeah, care to comment? Can you do it? We actually brought some paint, and we were wondering if you can demo for us. Or just demo in your mind, do like yeah. a mental thing. Well, what, do you, I mean, what are you thinking when you, when you are doing those demos, those sort of I'm sure a lot very of theatrical demos? I'm sure have seen them or heard about them. Well, I mean, they're probably theatrical to you, but they're torture to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm like sweating. You know, the room is so hot in here, and everybody's like, no, they're freezing, you know? <laughs> Like, put the air conditioner Well, I've done demos, and I I try to be very careful. Like, I don't want to get out of my comfort zone. In a a demo, like, I want to be able to come up with something good. And it sounds very brave to be able to just jump off a cliff and throw paint at the canvas and then trust or have faith that you're going to pull it. Right. But it sounds like it all, I mean, everybody who's ever gone to one of your demos who I've talked to has said, like, it, you know, there was somehow like Prussian blue going into the into the rosy pink cheeks, and then somehow he pulled it to get. They all end with he pulled it together. Mm. I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm a terrible chess player. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and I used to. I mean, there was a point where my you know when I was a kid, we used to play chess a lot. And before there were you know video games, and uh, I played chess with my buddies, and you play you come to class and play chess before class started, and. Um, and then, you know, I started playing against my computer and my computer would always win my, you know, on the laptop. And I hated my computer and I would just start cheating against my computer so I could win. And <laughs> how do you cheat against the computer? I tried to like, you know, go back <laughs> and you know, like, like, even when I cheated, I would still lose. You, know? <laughs> you cheated so, against the machine. Uh, yeah. Um, but, 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 but I, but there's something about, um, you know, I, I think that, I mean, on the again the highest level of the the chess players who play like the way they can play you know and you there's something that can happen you know that 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 defies reason the human element you maybe the, the the it's not just a human element i think that the, it has to do with um the irregularity of of what happens you know outside of reason reason just takes you so far but then you know it's like when you get to that level, you know, it's like you've got to abandon it, abandon reason. And it, things just start happening in a brand new way. But that makes sense somehow, you know, it somehow comes together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and some of it is explainable, I think, and some of it is inexplicable. You know, we start with sort of a strategy in the beginning. You know, you start with sort of an idea for something. The trick is not to lock yourself into your strategy because you never know what's going to come your way. The unexpected 
takes on a life of its own. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's in in the unexpected, you see, that makes everything interesting and makes it worth it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, it's like if everything happened, if if you had your strategy and everything happened exactly the way your strategy was, you know, and you didn't have to vary it one single iota, how boring would that be? If it worked out, I'd you actually know. be pretty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you want. Right? It'll make it feel good. I'm talking about a demo how here. Would that be? You know, <laughs> well, this is my point. So, so, the, so the the the, de- the demos to me, I very often I liken to my students to like uh, a speed chess. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like getting at some, getting at the idea, the strategy, and then remaining open and flexible to the limited amount of changes that are observable and experienced. Mm-hmm. And so the and when I say the the limited amount of changes that are observable and experienced, are, they, it has to do with the things that I do. It has to do with the things that happen around me, the, the the change of light, the change of the model, the the feelings that that you know develop over over time within a limited amount of time. So are you still and so p- giving yourself parameters like you were saying? Well, I, I mean, in terms of like even the way I begin, I begin with sort of a I find my center. Uh, I. I build a sort of a, a, a semblance of uh, some, const- you know, uh, construction uh, in terms of where things are going to go and, and uh, where I want everything laid out. But then uh, as this sort of thing goes, goes forward, moves forward, um, it's like I, I, I need that in- internal structure to some degree, but I'm not bound by it. Uh, the, it's not rigid. Yeah, it's not rigid. Yeah. Being flexible yeah, yeah. with your Being flexible parameters. within the parameters that you established initially um, mm-hmm. that's based on a strategy. You know, it's funny. I think Mike Tyson said everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> and then the plan goes out the window. <laughs> you have to go on pure emotion and right. maybe muscle memory. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Do you feel like then, does that inform your studio paintings or... Or is it just, is it pretty much the same process or is it's it? It's a very different process. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, in my own work, I tend to um, see things uh, in twos. Like I separate my drawing and I separate from my painting. Oh, I right, approach yeah. my drawing one way, I approach my painting another way. Can you, can you think get about, into that a little bit? Uh, well, I like the drawing to sort of function as a uh, more of a meditative uh, process where my thoughts are... Um, uh, really sort of connected to the, the repetition of the stroke. So as I'm looking and seeing the, the development of my hand on the paper and my response to, my, um, uh, to what I see and what I want uh, is uh, uh, almost soothing. It's sort of soothing to my mind as, I'm, as I move forward. Um, and so I, 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 it sort of relaxes me and makes me um, it's, it's more, it puts me in a different zone. You know, it makes me feel very, um, uh, sort of puts me at ease, calms me. Uh, and painting is just the opposite. <laughs> so I allow both of those kinds of um, emotional, you know, outlooks to influence um, each of those processes. Uh, when I'm painting, I like, I, I'm very, um, uh, 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 aggressive about it, and I'm. Uh, it's it's more physically challenging. It's also uh, uh, I think of it more like sculpture in the sense that it's uh, more tangible. It's about sort of surface and mm-hmm. meat and potatoes and the the the, the kind of forming of something that's uh, uh, about well, uh, you know, I shouldn't say color, but I think of 
think of uh, color as being uh, really form. You know, that form is color. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is that, that um, light is color and color is light. Mm-hmm. And that form is made manifest by light. In other words, like, you know, the dimension of something, the sensibility and tactile quality of something, you know, existing outside, you know, in space is formed by, by light. And um, so I, I, my, my idea or my feeling for form has to do with my feeling for color in a way that's um, uh, uh, connected to light or mm-hmm. an extension of how I understand light. Um, so, you know, like, for example, one of the things I mentioned in the, that demo that you were re- referring to is it was a demonstration of warm and cool light that if you, if you could identify the uh, color no longer as red, blue, green, black, or brown, or whatever, forget about the childhood ideas about that this is red, this is green, forget about the parameters that we, you know, the rules that we establish, you know, in our mind about color. Mm-hmm. But if you simply say, this is warm, this is cool, uh, this is the temperature of that warmth, this is the temperature of that cool in a, in a totality of relationships, then we un- you understand form and color in a homogenous way, visually, uh, rather than separating value from color. Mm-hmm. You know? so, so, uh, so, for example, the, the uh, chromatic uh, relationship to form is uh, uh, deeply uh, 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 felt uh, by the way we observe um, color. So when a form shifts away from the eye, uh, uh, um, the, the chromatic quality of that color intensifies. You know, rather than, I mean, logically, you know, we think, well, the brightest area is brighter in chroma, but actually right. the opposite is true. As it moves away from the eye, it chromatic, it op- optically uh, uh-huh. uh, becomes more chromatic. So at a, at a plane break, you know, where the planes break, from the more subtle levels of plane breaks to the more dramatic areas of a plane break, mm-hmm. the, the color, you know, consequently, you know, becomes more uh, or less intensified, you know, depending on how the light hits that surface. So, so one has to sort of like imagine the feeling for the form and color at once, and also um, how we uh, establish. Uh, see, some some artists like to think about. Um, indirect painting and direct painting. Uh, what's direct, like direct, you know, I mean, traditionally we, we say indirect painting is that we build a color up in values and then we work it out later in color. So color becomes sort of secondary to the form. Uh, the opposite would be uh, uh, direct painting, which we think of something a la prima or more impressionist, you know, so forth, mm-hmm. that is, uh, you know, sort of the immediacy of, of, of the color first. Uh, whereas uh, I think that there's sort of misnomers in both of those things. Uh, there's misnomers also, uh, I believe, I mean, th- that go back to Duchamp, you know, with uh, what's uh, perceptual and conceptual, you know, but I think that's a misnomer. I think that, uh, that the two aren't separated, the two are one, it's what, you know, it's all one ball of wax, you know? <laughs> and in the same way, I believe that uh, the observation of color and form is just one ball of wax. You know, if you can mm-hmm. get at the whole, you know, then you can get it, get at something interesting. And so, so the, 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 the thinking here is that, um, uh, that by, by seeing it, by seeing uh, or observing uh, color as form, as paint, as thick and thin, as transparent and opaque, uh, by virtue of the materiality 
uh, itself, we can enhance the feeling of, of form and dimension, and at the same time enhance the feeling of the complexion and emotive response of the color in combination uh, of the form moving back and forth to the eye. Is this what you're talking about when you say you think of these things in twos? The sort of Partly, yes. So, so, you know, I think of painting that way, and I think of drawing in a different way. Mm -hmm. So, so, um, whereas, I know, uh, I, uh, so, so, I mean, I'm just saying that that, that I separate it. I mean, it, it works for me in the sense that, like, I think that both kind of feed off of each other. So, I very often, like, if I'm doing a lot, a lot of painting and I'm not not a lot of drawing, I'll uh, and I'm just like sick and tired of my painting. and I'm going nowhere with it, and I just want to, like, you know. Mellow Let it out. go for a while, which I have done for the last, I think I've given up on my painting for the last four or five years to a certain degree and really focused on my drawing. And now I'm really kind of trying to get back to my painting. Mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, I'm always painting and I'm always drawing, but I just mean in terms of the mindset right. and the real, the real demand and focus and demand for what it is that you want from your work. But when I'm just tired of my, my, my painting, I'll move over to, to the drawing, mm -hmm. you know, or I'm tired, just worn out by it. And, and the drawing becomes fresh again to me, and I can revive it. And then when that becomes sort of tiresome to me or I'm worn out by it, I move to my painting, and then it's fresh to me again. Right. And I have new perspective on it, and I try to revive it again. Mm -hmm. So by, by, having, by seeing things sort of um, you know, in opposition and at once. Another mm -hmm. rhythm. Yeah, yeah. You can sort of breathe in and out in a way that, 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 um, you know, that, 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 that enhances... And compliments. Right. The, they both inform each other. Yeah, in that way, you know. So, so it's, it, it helps me go. You know, it helps me move forward in a way. Mm -hmm. um, so much of what you said has been about yeah. the in twos, the dichotomy, the yeah. you know, the thesis and the synthesis, the back and the forth. Well, it, pretty it's, much it's, not just in terms of your technique, but just in terms of your overall philosophy. There's an ongoing, you know, there's this, but there's that, and it's the balance and the rhythm between the two. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. Sort of is, I mean, to the extent also with regard to my faith, you know, it's. Uh, it's uh, you know in in that in that way it's sort of uh, explain that how is it in regards to your faith? Uh, well, I think that 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 real faith is uh, is not religion. You know that that in a sense that you know religion is um, very often based on um, on ritual, and ritual is uh, the repetition of uh, or you know how things are. Um, made uh, or how things are. I mean, there's good ritual and there's bad ritual. You could say, you know, and the the kind of uh, of uh, repetition of uh, uh, you know that 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 sometimes happens in things that are ritualistic can uh, um, uh, t uh, obscure the reason why people are doing the things that they do that are supposedly yeah, yeah. ritualistic. So so uh, uh, the the faith seeking process uh, that. Um, that uh, embodies uh, a ritualistic process, or you know, the ri ritual itself, um, very often gets uh, pushed aside or overlooked. I mean, it's not to say that ritual isn't important; it's an important aspect. Uh, uh, but uh, but you could say that's there, that 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 in a, in a way that those are two sort of opposite sides of the same coin too. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of like you know the Dionysian, the Apollonian, you know, and so forth. Uh, but that uh, that I always try to like even philosophically think about you know the the twos you know all the time you know like what what happens when one thing happens conversely something else happens 
You know, I mean, you know, very often disadvantages or advantages, you know, advantages. Which is sort of the opposite of black and white, even though those are twos, too, what we were talking about before with, with young people seeing things as one or the other. And the older you get, the less things become black and white, yeah. you know, and because the more you know, the more you, the more you begin to know something or, know, you know, the more knowledge you obtain, the harder everything becomes. And uh, because the reason it becomes, things become more difficult um, are because we have so many more choices at our disposal that we never could see or know before. And so this, is, this too is sort of part of skill and, and also part of the, the idea that, um, that uh, um, um, you know, what, what makes something uh, more difficult to understand, what makes something more uh, uh, undecipherable uh, within a mature work, you know, uh, it, it, you know, in, in many ways is an extension of the artist knowing so much more that his choices become so much more subtle uh, and less obvious. So it's harder for people to um, connect with them in an immediate way, con connect with the understanding of what that artist is doing in, a, in an immediate way, and it becomes uh, less decipherable or harder to, to figure out or understand. The artist is seeing things more complicated, so their choices are more complicated, and then it's and then or the the options become more available. Like you know, it's like you know, you know, I don't, I'm very bad at Photoshop, but you know, like when you uh, you say, well, I can do this, or I can do that, I can I can do it this way, I can do it that way, uh, I can change it here, I can change it there, I, you know, like you you can have like a gazillion There's a lot of ways to get to the same yourself. solution. A lot of ways to get to the same place, or a lot of ways places. to go in different places. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it, it, it's like sometimes the choices become, you know, just make you go crazy. You know, it's like, well, where do I go with this? You know, like, am I going to go here? Am I going to go there? Am I going to go here? Am I going to go there? And, and, and whereas when you're a kid, you know, it's like, like I'm going here. Yeah, you're, yeah, going, I'm going, there, you're going, going there. there. I'm going there. Just and I'm blazing there one fast. way. That's my story. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, sticking yeah. to it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. What are your desires now? Where do you want to go with your work? You know, where is there? I don't want to say an end game because that that's not the right word. I just had a student. Um, the, a great answer made my ears sort of like went went like, okay, what's this kid about? You know, and because everyone, like a lot of times, I'll, I'll I'll say to I'll ask you know kids, well, what are your plans after college? You know, and they'll say, uh, well, you know, I want to try to get a job, make a living or do this or go into this, you know, or teach or something, you know, to try to, you know, there's always like some, some, this, I guess, girl, <laughs> your plans after college, she said, starve and die. <laughs> 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 and I just thought that was great. <laughs> so that's where you're going with your face. Starve, starve and die. die. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Suggested donation podcast. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> are there themes that you like how do you I mean how does that work in in terms of you making your painting like are there themes yeah, I that don't know you I mean like I you know I but but uh but I think that the worst work that I've done is work that um I try to do mm -hmm. a certain way or the work that I you know that I'm more try to be in control of mm -hmm. uh, um, the uh the best work that I think I've done is when the model or the sitter, when I say model, I, I just, I, I mean, I don't necessarily use professional model. I use right, uh, right. friends, family, I'll use uh, students. I'll, people will come into my studio sometimes and all of a sudden they become models. <laughs> so <I have> you <laughs> lock the door, <laughs> and you're, like, you're not going anywhere. How do you and, choose them? I mean, uh, how see, do you... that's the thing. Is when I choose it, then that's problem. That becomes failure. 
So, so you just it's, it's better it's better not to choose. Sometimes uh-huh. it's better to sort of let um, uh, let things just happen. So whoever's around, and, you just and, pull and, them. And, but and, does and, that and, uncertainty ever stress you out? Uh, well, what I mean by that, I guess I'm going to try to put it this way. I mean, I think there's um, you know sometimes like our choices are choices when we don't even realize that they're choices. You know, so even when I when I'm not consciously trying to choose, I'm still choosing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's only when I'm like, you know, saying to myself like, oh, this is the person that I, I need this person to pose for me because it looks like something I want because they look a certain way. And when I'm too much of the director that way, that's when I think things go wrong. Really? And and it's better to um, sometimes, I think like a director, it's better to let the the model or the the actor poser or the actor (laughs) Uh, so to speak, uh, uh, to reveal uh, things that are theirs mm-hmm. and then to homogenize that into your thinking, right. you know, into your ideas. And so it's, um, it's when that relationship occurs um, and you allow, when I allow for my sitter uh, to be relaxed, to to find, to kind of be, become themselves, uh, even though they might be something else, it sets up um, a relationship of, um, of pretext and, and subtext. Uh, and so the, 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 by allowing sort of the, I mean, the pretext and subtext are interesting, two things you could say, the inside, the outside, the what's theater, you know, what's, and a lot of my paintings are based on, on this sort of like inside, outside, um, Mm-hmm. Uh, even color, you know, warms and cools, you know, what's interior light, what's exterior light, right. what's incandescent light, what's, uh, you know, natural daylight, you know, exterior, it can be masculine and interior, it can be feminine. I mean, there are all kinds of, uh, of messages that, and, and metaphors that can be associated with, um, with form, light and form, right. uh, uh, in combination with narrative. Right. And, and so the, uh, the development of, um, of, uh, of, uh, you know, uh, uh, of narrative uh, for me uh, uh, is uh, isn't exploitive in the sense that like I'm, um, you know, it's only about my sitter, right? You know, and and it isn't uh, purely subjective in the sense that it's only about me or something. It's, right. it's in it, it it's it's in the triangulation of um, the, uh, the, the the painting drawing, you know. <laughs> uh in in the sitter Uh and and me right you know and and it and it's that it's the uh it's in that triangle right and in the rhythm and the development and relationship of that triangle that one sort of finds the 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 way things are become revealed Mm -hmm. and the way things stay hidden Mm -hmm. and so there there are some things that um I'll choose not to reveal, and there are some things that I'll choose to reveal mm-hmm. that sometimes are hidden and sometimes are 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 not necessarily observable uh, on the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how we establish a pretext, um, like theater, or establishes um, you know a role or a a, a, con- a context with regard to the story. Mm-hmm. You know, theater itself, it's as presentation, um, is uh, is an outward representation. You could say, uh, is a projection. You could mm-hmm. say, 
whereas uh, when we uh, are, you know, thinking about what's opposite to that, the the internal, you know, possibility and potentiality of the individual, you know, the actor becomes um, self-revelatory, simultaneous. Mm -hmm. So the actor is revealing something about themselves in context to the role that they're playing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's a very subtle thing. And, but it, as, as an observer, we can, as, you know, we're, I'm, as a visual, as someone who's uh, trying to perceive and observe um, uh, characteristics about human nature, you know, and so forth, we, we want to be able to sort of like find that subtext mm -hmm. somehow to discover it, to see into it. Right. And that very often um, takes time. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it takes the moment to see it. So, so that's why I work from life. Right. One of the reasons I work from life. I mean, there are many reasons, but, but these observable um, um, uh, variations that, that happen sequentially mm -hmm. over time allow for um, some revealing of the, of, 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 of the self, of that, of that, that become interesting and evident sometimes in very subtle ways that, that are also in some way connected to the way we reveal ourselves in our, in our making of the object. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the, there's a, there's a, 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 a con connection that becomes, you know, established, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, uh, and it, somehow that's what adds, makes a work feel alive, you know, makes a drawing or a painting feel like alive, you know, and not, kind of like, you know, kind of like a dead photograph, you know? You feel it on the surface, some of the friction of that. I, I can't explain it. Right, it's you know? like the spontaneity of that process. It's, it's, that. The, uh, it, it, it's the, the, the way two things come together sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. that make uh, a third thing. But have you learned to um, notice the things that enable that? and always search for these little elements well, there are things that, that I could do together. to influence the possibility of that happening. Um, for example, in my studio, I might, uh, I, you know, I play music or uh, talk to my sitters. Yeah. Uh, and over time, uh, we begin to sort of have a rapport. Yeah. And it's in that rapport often that it influences our observation. Is likeness, when you're painting somebody, is likeness important? People often say, well, is a likeness important? You know, really, in, if, you, if the drawing is good, the likeness will be there. Will be there, yeah. you know? So it's like, you know, if you want the drawing to be good that way. But like philosophically, you know? the idea of that you're, you're getting to know this person, there's this connection that you're having with the sitter. Does the physical likeness of the, of the painting connecting to the sitter philosophically is that important then i'm just it, trying to... it, it actually is to me yeah because uh i outside of just yeah, like yeah. hey that looks exactly like yeah, that yeah. dude it is, it is to me because it's the particular is important to me that yeah. the imprint or the, the fingerprint i always thought that myself is, about certain and things specificity in some way uh, is is important to me in the same way. Like I, I'm not looking for timeless generalities only. You know, I, because yeah. I think that I think that there's uh, something um, miraculous about the specific. 
Yeah. Something miraculous about the um, uh, something something miraculous about chaos. Yeah. You know that 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 chaos is is the uh, in, in some way related to the things that aren't balanced that 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 aren't symmetrical and that that somehow there's something um uh, sort of marvelous mm -hmm. about that quality in all things that that doesn't line up perfectly you know and um even with my own work i always want to get and why i why i work from life uh is that there's there's something about the object or the person or whatever I'm painting that, um, I want to try to connect to. So if I'm going to even say, do like a still life, um, there's a certain something that I want in the object, or I find an object that fits what I have in my head mm -hmm. because there's a character about it that is interesting to me. And then I want to paint that thing. You know, I don't want to paint a photograph or I don't even necessarily want to generalize it. Mm -hmm. um, I want to paint like certain. And, and it doesn't that mean that particular it, bee. There are millions yeah. of bees out there, but there's this one bee. But, well, the I mean, idea. It's true, right? But, but the it's idea true. is that there's something it's about it, There's something about this that is, is fascinating me mm -hmm. and all the little things that are a little off about it. Um, or it's Which, like you were saying, like the veins in the leaf. Like if if you don't if you haven't painted the veins exactly yeah. as they are in that leaf, it's not that leaf. You haven't painted that leaf. You just painted a leaf. And lately, I've been interested in that leaf, mm -hmm. but I'm also um, but I've also always been interested in what you were saying when you distance yourself. And especially now that I'm getting older, I'm becoming more and more interested in the distancing of myself from from the subjects. Mm -hmm. um, but I can't help but not want to see like you were saying the idea of the veins of the leaf and i don't mean in a oh i want to paint it really detailed it's the idea of it It is like there's everything is there's something special about everything and i kind of want to get into it now my own skill level i don't know if i can do it you know as 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 well as the actual object but that's okay and that's why i also like to work from life because if it's off a little bit I, that's okay. I'll try to make it really nice, mm -hmm. you know, aesthetically. Mm -hmm. But if it's off a little bit, that's okay because um, I'm not working from a photograph. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't see high definition, micro, everything. I can only see a certain amount from what my eyes can see, even from close up. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't get that close. Mm -hmm. So if it's a little off, that's all right. Mm -hmm. You know, but, mm -hmm. you know, so a lot of times people, oh, it looks like a photograph. And I'm, I'm kind of like, ah, that bums me out. Even though it might look like a photograph tech, you know, to them, mm -hmm. image wise, I'm always like, well, um, I hope it doesn't. There, I think there's a, a, a naivete uh, in the layman, you know, who looks at something that's representational and says, oh, that's so good. It looks like a photograph. Yeah. So because the photograph is sort of what, what we in modern times identify as true. Yeah. Right. That the photograph is, we is the truth. We talk about this and, so much. Or the, is what's true visually. And, and it's, you know, I, I mean, now that we have digital, you know, these digital cameras or iPhones that you can hold up and, and you look at, you take the photograph, you know, you can see the, the image in the, 
in the thing simultaneous to what you look at and you say, gee, look at those proportions are way off. Yeah. You know, that's like that person's nose isn't that big. <laughs> you know? then, then you take the photograph and the person says, oh, that, I look terrible. In that <laughs> <laughs> and you always want to say you look terrible in real life, so, too. So it's sort of like evidence that, you know, no matter how good the technology is, no matter how good. The photo, I mean, even with my glasses, I notice when I put glasses on. And I, and I look at something and then I take them off and my eyes have really shot now, you know, and I take them off. My proportions are different than when my glasses are on, than when my glasses are on, off. You know, when I'm there on, every, that there's distortion, subtle, right. subtle distortion that when I take my glasses off that aren't there. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's one thing. That's kind of almost trivial compared to um, the, the, the idea that what it is that we experience and what it is that the camera experiences are two separate phenomena, and that um, and it becomes more a phenomenological uh, issue uh, than it does, um, you know, uh, a technical one. You know, in the sense of, you know, yes, there are technical advantages. The human eye can see a lot more. Yes, we can see more, you know, grays. Yes, we can see more variations of color. Yeah, we can see depth. You know, the camera lens. But can I can't see, see the detail yes, of a camera. Yeah, but I'm just no saying way. depth, and you know, we we stereo, stereo optically can you know, yeah. uh, interpret death and, and, and not, not only that, but the mind and the eye are connected, you know, right. yeah, and that's so the, the mind is the eye, you know, the eye right. is the mind. Uh, but, but, uh, let's not, let's not say that first and foremost, first and foremost, what, what happens is that the, uh, the, uh, the, the layman believes that the photograph is, 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 is more true than what the eye sees, you know, is more true than what we can, you know, conceive of visually in, in our human experiences. Now, what does that say? It says that, well, most people believe that technology is more true than our human experience. You know, that technology overrides, you know, is, is, is you know, is perfect. And that our human experiences are secondary to that. And then you have the stupidity of the majority of curators in this country and other countries <laughs> that will look at, you know, a representational painting and say, oh, it's, it's why do it? Because a photograph can do that. Right. Yeah. Why, why make that? Because a photograph can make that. And that's just as, uh, as naive, uh, you know, and unfortunate a statement as the layman saying, you know, oh, that's just like a photograph, you know, and, and you know, ironically, it's a compliment. Now the, the curator, you know, I'm just, you know, not all curators, though. Some are good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, there is but, a big problem with this kind yeah, I of mean, because because you know we're we're painting. coming. I mean, this out of, is one of the reasons of, why we started this. Out of a dark age, you know, out of I don't want to say dark age, but but we're coming out of basically a, a period where um, there's very little understanding about what you know, right? What was painting? You know, was you know uh, this? You know, what was what is representational? You know, what is, uh, you know, the crafts behind repre the representation of, um, of uh, 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 you know, of the figure. Mm -hmm. and, and so there's, there's, uh, there, there's little, very little understanding about the subtleties, about the, the language behind it, you know, in modern times. Do we have to educate them? Is it our job to educate the, the layman, if the you want to be in those museums, yeah. I mean, there's something important about that. Is is yeah. you know, do we get into the you know? Actually, he, you can quote. I can quote Oscar Wilde here. He said that um, 
uh, it's the critic's job to educate the public. It's the artist's job to, to educate, educate the critics. The critics. Yeah. So, um, um, to a certain degree, do, you, do we do, do we well, educate them by like, just well, by doing just doing here, our work? Sort of like a way absolutely. That's you know, yeah. exactly what you know, donation podcast. That's <laughs> why we're doing it. I mean, we've talked about yeah, this. We, I mean, over and over again, we talk about that. What, what is the quote I'm looking I, for I, here? I was, it was a moment of genius it on was, my I think, part. I think it was actually during the Peter Collins. <laughs> Jacob inter, Collins. Jacob Collins interview. Yeah. Sorry, Peter Collins is a, the producer of Rush. You're so so enamored by Rush. I love it. Yes, because you haven't talked about getting getting Getty Lee. I would love to have Getty Lee. I would like to have Neil Neil Peart. I I think the problem of modern times is that it's hard to discern what's virtual and what isn't. And uh, uh, in some ways, this is the problem that that we are up against um, with regard to what is uh, meaningful and what has value with regard to, you know, the kind of painting that, that I want to do, for example. So uh, a lot of times there's, there's an unfortunate association with, uh, uh, you know, commercialism and you know, with a lot of, you know, really bad realist paintings, you know, that are more commercial in outlook and less interesting, you know, Maybe skillful on some level, but yeah. really not skillful. It's it's pretty easy uh, so to get skilled sorry, nowadays. Man. It's pretty easy to get skilled nowadays. Though. Well, technical, technical. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like you know, there's a difference between like real skill and yeah, technical and, ability. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So so um, uh, I I I think that there's uh, a, a lot of uh, a lot of problems that 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 are out there. You know, for this to be understood, you know, by um, intelligent people, you know, because, you know, most most intelligent people, you know, are informed by a variety of outlooks. And so uh, this particular outlook is uh, uh, very complex and very hard to understand if you're not doing it yourself. Yeah. That's a very good point. You know, it's a so, very good so point. So to make the to un, to to, uh, to to sort of uh, educate someone on what really has quality and what doesn't is very difficult to do in in this day and age. You know, it's just you can only bring them so far before they're they can't understand and, and what the it's like to that not I might go have, through it. And even like you know the, the the people who who might you know appreciate you know the work at least that I do you know. I, I sometimes I find a, I, I'm sort of like at a loss because I, I'm so um, disappointed in how much they understand. <laughs> how little they understand, you mean? Or how little they understand, or how much they understand? I, I, you know, I won't name names. <laughs> I'm just saying that <laughs> the extent that, of that their... I'm disappointed in, in the fact that most people don't really get it. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, don't understand it. So I then think do that you feel some people, some people, I think that do get it in the sense that, like, they respond, you know, to and they see the or they feel, uh, you know, the the immediacy of of you know how a person is represented and the emotion. They can respond emotively, uh, and uh, and that's all I can really kind of almost like. That's the first thing I hope for. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. But but in terms of understanding what goes on. Uh, in terms of the construction, in terms of the um, the belief, uh, the the vision, the the deeper, more profound sort of background, uh, most people just don't get it, mm-hmm. you know, and won't get it. 
I don't know when they will or if they will. Uh, but I think that, that that's, um, I, I mean, I don't know. I think that that's true about, you know, what it is that, you know, I mean, I just think we're bombarded with so much stuff in this day and age. It's just almost impossible to come to an understanding of things on that, on that level of subtlety. But on some sense, like, you know, your paintings, Tony's paintings, my paintings, like they represent a little bit like the antithesis of that bombardment because it's this slow, careful pro. I mean, the, the, the thought, the time, the, the energy, the skill that goes into just one of your paintings is it's enormous. And it's like the thought and skill that goes into somebody holding up their iPhone and clicking a quick shot of something, you know, and posting it and it being all over the internet. Like, there's no thought that goes into that. But I mean, do you think people in the past appreciated paintings in a uh, in a deeper way because they weren't bombarded with so much visual? Well, I think that also people in the past paint like they did like they well, did a lot that, of I think painting. That you, drawing in order themselves. to it, like it's like listening to uh, music, you know, you know, or something that you haven't heard before. Um, you know, the first time you hear something, you don't really get it necessarily, but you you kind of feel like, well, I need to listen to this again. It grows on you. You know, there's something here that I like, but I don't know why, you know? And then, but you do, you like it and you don't like it, you know? Like, so it's like you, you don't like it because it's something you've never heard before, but then you like it because there's something you don't know what's going on in there. And so you listen to it again and then you like it a little more and then you listen to it again and you like it a little more until you, you need to listen to it all the time. <laughs> and uh, and, it, and it, it's kind of like, you know, that's what it, what's required in lo looking at a painting, you know. Steve, like, stop playing that song! <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's like, you know, you want, you want the viewer to, like, be able to, like, come back to it and look at it a little more and look at it a little more and look at it a little more and, and, and begin to, you know, understand it a little more and, right and be able to see and, all and, the layers and that, that and sort of like time that it takes to do that right. is very difficult in in this day and age well it also yeah. it requires confronting it in person often i mean i think that's your right. paintings and not looking in at particular it right and we're all yeah. looking at like stuff the texture on the and, yeah. that i'm gleaning from this is probably from you know right. whatever you post right. on facebook right, right, like right, it's right. nothing exactly. compared to seeing well, that's the very painting. good point yes yeah, extremely important point because um uh, a painting is a living phenomena and in the sense that it, it has a life of its own yeah. and it breathes, and it breathes life in its presence, you know? And so when the viewer is in front of it, it's like listening to real music in an or from an orchestra, you know, right. you hear it and you're right there and you actually experience it, you know, or a concert, whatever the it's music such is. A, yeah. you, you, you always say it's so much more moving. This, listen to this, but it doesn't do it justice when you're there. Like you always hear that, like, oh, it's good, but it's just, doesn't do it just there was because a feeling that's the artist experience you're yeah seeing. so you would look into this gallery with all these people sitting there looking i've had this experience with like uh uh, uh, uh van dyke paintings where you'd look at the the painting and you're like it looks more real than the people looking at the actual painting mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but i mean that's that's a, the best argument i can think of for why you know your paintings your paintings need to be in in museums in public yeah. collections where people can go and visit them i mean right now it's it's you know how many people can come over to your studio and see what you're working on? But if, if you're, you know, if you were to choose or somebody was to choose a few of your paintings and put them into, you know, I don't know, the Whitney or MoMA or whatever, like the context would probably be, you know, of, of what's surrounding them there would probably be horrible. But the paintings would be there for people to see in person. And I think that's really important. I think that's critically important. 
Well, this is also the dilemma artists keep saying over and over again in here that it's a little heartbreaking to do this painting and then have it locked up in some CEO's office where maybe yeah. a couple people a year see it. I mean, I have yeah. a very pessimistic outlook on it. You do? Mm-hmm. Let's mm. hear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's go down that road. Out with it. <laughs> well, because I, I think that uh, the, the machinery behind uh, the, the way the art world functions right now, especially, yeah. is so huge and... And, and I mean, it's just it's, like it's a, incredibly uh, uh, funded, and, it's a and big the money machine, is just yeah. so out there that you can't imagine. And so I don't. I, I mean, I think that. I mean, I, I think the advent of modernism uh, at the turn of the century, um, the way it came about, uh, wouldn't have come about if it weren't for World War One. Yeah. That World War One allowed for the advent of modernism to. Um, uh, palm itself into the uh, 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 into into the, the, the cultural you know to, to culture and society uh, at large. Well, that that was the line that separated. And so, outside of a outside of like a, um, the destruction of of, of you know a, a, millions you know, of people, <laughs> or maybe that just the, Is it the just way the things horror of go, it? the way things work. I don't. I just don't know how that. I, I just. I listened to a podcast recently. It was, fa- and I was telling Ted about it. Um, the hardcore history, and it was Dan Carlin's. It was called um, Blueprint, Blueprint for Armageddon, and it was just on World War One. And it, it was. It's amazing, and 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 listen to it. But so know. how did listen to this first, and then listen to that? How but, did World uh, War One bring it about, and how, and what are the consequences thereof? What were you getting? Well, at? it thrusted us into the modern era, like it. Kicking and screaming. Well, are we talking? Well, you said modernism. You just didn't mean. Well, I think it 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 it, it uh, culturally it uh, established uh, the a milieu of despair. Uh huh. And uh, um, an existential outlook that was based on um, you know pretty dire you know outlook about humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 I, I mean you know to a certain large degree it, it and I and I think that that. Um, um, in many ways, kind of permeated, you know, in a variety of ways through modern times and modern culture. And I think that we still sort of, uh, sort of experience that and feel that. Meaning in like, modern times, like a know. fork. But in a different way, I think that now we've sort of, I mean, you know, deconstructionism and, 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 and just the modern era sort of allows us to um, um, kind of, I don't know, almost fuel a, um, a, um, a, dis- a, a giant distraction, you could say, you know, like where, where everything is about being distracted now, mm. you know, and, 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 and I find that even in myself that, that I find that I, it's like I yearn for distraction sometimes, you know, like I'm looking for these distractions, you know, to calm me or to make me feel better, mm. you know, to make me feel more comforted. You know, and uh, and the distractions are very often in entertainment values. But so bring this back to what you were but, saying. You were saying you have a pessimistic view of the art industry in mm-hmm. modern day. I mean, I, I'm just very pessimistic that um, I don't know when. I mean, when the tide will turn. But you know, it's not so much t- turning on, in favor of representational art as opposed to abstraction, or about even conceptual art as opposed to you know abstraction or representational art. It, 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 it's more about the tide turning to um, something that has, like, 
real value. Meaning. You know, something that, 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 apps, that, that has intrinsic value. Or as confronts rather than distracts. Value. I'm sorry. Virtu in other words, that, you know, everything is operating now on virtuality, not on anything intrinsic in terms of whether or not it really has meaning and value. It, it has, has, I mean, we all know this. I mean, the whole freaking art world knows it, yeah. that it's yeah. all a big crock of shit, you know? <laughs> it's mean, like, it's, the, know it's it. the elephant and yet, and in the yet, room. You know, the money is so good. You yeah. Know, I'll, yeah this there's more money than ever. By this, you know? So, so there's, uh, you know, I mean, it, 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 it's just, it's just so like, you know, part of itself now right. that, that, you know, I can't figure out what, it'll, how, what, how it'll ever end. So what is know? that intrinsic value? So is, it, is it the timelessness we talked about? No, I think that anything that has, uh, I mean, even in, in terms of, I mean, I, you know, what do I know about, um, I don't know anything about, um, you know, economics. I don't know anything about physics or I don't know. I mean, it's like, you know, but there's so much about even like economics and physics that, that can't be verifiable, you know, and they're, they're coming up with theories that are based on, you know, um, whether something is logical internally or not, you know, and yet and whether, but can't be visually verifiable and may never be visually verifiable. And, and, and the same thing is true in economics. You know, nobody really knows what anything is worth or what, how much, what's really you know, no, there's no standard. There's no gold standard. There's yeah, no, there's true. no absolute standard in anything. Mm. So, so everything is sort of based on sort of this, this very kind of like yes. strange, the stock market, you know, people, you know, you could have a company that that's really doing well and yet it's worth very little in the stock market. Mm. You know, I mean, it has intrinsic value, but the perception is, is, isn't uh, fancy enough. You know, so it doesn't have the value of something that looks fancy, but, you know, is intrinsically yeah, yeah. is worthless. So so I think this is the problem with our time in that it's hard to discern uh, what has intrinsic value and what has perceptible value. Well, one, I mean, you're you're talking about the the um, pessimistic view, but um, hasn't stopped you to do what you're doing, that you're continuing to do what you do. And. In a way, for me, that's optimistic. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm very happy doing what I'm doing. Yeah, so right. I'm, I'm like not. That's very I'm not. I'm not saying that I'm pessimistic with regard to, you know. Um, no, the, I understand the, what you're the, saying, the, but the quality of, or the, the 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 meaning or what you do or you know that you know in terms of, you know, the painting that that we want to make or or I'm not. Uh, I mean, you know, there's there's so many advantages now that we didn't have before. You know. Um, in learning and developing and understanding uh, the craftsmanship of of, um, of things, but um, I think that I'm just talking about like on. I mean, and the art world isn't just one art world. There are a lot of different. There's a art whole worlds, bunch. It's, it's, and there it's, are it's with, a... with different ways people appreciate all kinds of things. So I'm just talking about like the the kind of you know the, that upper echelon. Yeah, thing and, that, I, and I and I agree, uh, and I completely agree with you. Yeah. Um, I, so I mean, that I'm pessimistic about. Yeah. That. But I'm not pessimistic about um, that. There are people out there who will appreciate and and understand and and you know support. Yeah. And and so forth. A lot of people that I admire their work. They it the cool thing that I'm learning. You know, whether it's the internet or just because you're doing what you're doing, you or other people that uh, we like a lot is that um, you're you're influencing a lot of people 
and I think there's a, I mean, you have a, you know, you personally, you have a big fan base of, of people who studied with you, people who admire your work and admire and want to do something, um, beautifully like what you've been doing. Um, and I think to me that, that idea of that it always makes me not only happy, but it makes, it kind of gives me energy to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. The idea that, um, you can possibly affect somebody's life in a very positive way by just doing what you want to do philosophically and physically, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I tend to look at things very pessimistic. Me too. <laughs> don't don't go back to pessimism. Let's end optimistic. Yeah, yeah, we have to awesome. wrap up. We do have to wrap up. <laughs> we need to end on a high note. Yeah. Optimistic note. Yeah, yeah. Steve, I want to really thank you so yeah, much for coming. So much. It was a fascinating conversation, oh, and I think it's great. and I think it's really important that we um, we try to get some of these conversations down because I'll tell you what, if we were at a bar right now and we had this conversation, and I was went home or we were hanging out with friends, and I was trying to uh, describe this conversation, I would do a horrible job, <laughs> but the fact that we do have it uh re, you know down it's remarkable it. that we managed re- to have these good conversations with with the tape rolling yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. i th- and, you know i yeah. think it's it's nice to have a, a record of these yeah. type of things yeah. and 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 yeah. thank you for doing what you do oh, seriously thank you. thanks for thanks. having me and uh <laughs> thanks for doing what you do too cheers <laughs> all right thank you and thank you jay braun and as always thank you to the salma gundy. gundy club for letting us use their beautiful library to record yeah, we'll see you guys soon. All right, thanks. Bye. Do you guys ever have a picture of this? In- oh, yeah. oh, oh, picture. Thanks. Oh, you just... No, I mean, I'm just saying that no, this is a great that. room to have, like, on it the really internet is. to show we people to where you're doing it from, you know? It's just such a cool room, you know? It's such an honor. <laughs> it is.